there's a concept that we're going to talk about and think about this morning that's kind of hard to wrap our brains around because we live in uh, a temporal world. We live with uh, great awareness of the fact that this is temporary. So uh, we're going to look in Colossians chapter 3 this morning and we're going to look at the fact that today is eternity. We're not waiting for it. It's happening right now. It's happening while we are ministering. It's happening while we are living. It's happening while we are struggling. It happens when we exhale our last breath. We are not ushered into eternity. We're already there. We don't experience it as much as we will experience it in that day. But today is eternity. And I, I struggle sometimes to keep eternity in focus. To I get so easily distracted by things of this world when I'm driving my car or when I'm walking or watching television or reading a book. Uh, I've read some great books this year that have really stretched my thinking and, and stretched my, my brain a bit. And I, I forget sometimes that today is part of eternity. So I want us to pause for just a minute. You just talk to God in a moment. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And I want you just to think about today is just as important as 100 years from now. What you do today reflects your eternal values, reflects your love for God. And so just take a moment and just you talk to God and you ask him to help you focus, help him listen to what the Holy Spirit wants you and I to get out of God's word this morning. And in just a couple of uh, few seconds, I'll close in prayer. So you just pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your grace. We do not deserve salvation, but we receive it as a gift from Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin. I thank you that you not only save our souls and give us an individual relationship with you, but, but you bring us into a family of faith. There's people in this church who have skills and abilities that I don't have, and as we work together, we can accomplish great things for you. And we we encourage each other and we strengthen each other. Thank you so much for making us part of a family of faith. I thank you for all those who have served here on this property today and are serving in the nursery and junior church right now in the sound booth. Lord, uh, you, you are ministering to us, but you're also ministering through us as we labor together with you and with each other. Thank you for this awesome privilege to be part of your family. Now we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that we would quiet ourselves, that we would listen to your word, because there's no way I can speak fast enough to hold their attention. The brain moves too fast. 
Uh, they need to do it on purpose as they listen to you and listen to your word. So I pray that you would give us all the grace to hear the Holy Spirit, to hear your word, to be drawn to you. Please forgive us where we have failed you. Uh, please help us to be drawn closer to you. May this time be spiritually significant. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is eternity. We're not just waiting for eternity to happen. We're actually already in the process. We are eternal beings. We will never die. Our bodies will die. I remember when Megan was a very little girl and we had, Kathy and I had gone to a funeral and we had said something about the body in the casket. Megan said, what do you mean? The dead body, I thought they went to heaven. Well, yeah, they do. The whole soul and spirit immediately go to be with the Lord. The body stays until uh, the, the rapture of the church, and then uh, the bodies will be caught up. It's a little hard for us to comprehend, but the Bible is very clear. That's exactly what happens. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, we've looked at instruction that God gave for individuals, instruction he gave for families, and, and we're going to look at some more of the instruction that he gives, uh, beginning in verse number 22 of Colossians chapter 3. Servants, or bond slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. <coughs> Excuse me knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. So as we're looking in the scripture and we're seeing the truth of God's word, there's some principles that I want you to think about. The first is the good and the bad you do today have consequences. The good and the bad that you do today have consequences. For instance, if I had screamed and hollered at the Grand Prix yesterday, I would have no voice today. <laughs> Jim actually experienced that once. He was watching his kids play football, or his grandkids play football, and screaming and hollering and cheering for them, as, as a good grandpa would. And the next day at church, he hardly had voice to lead the singing. That was funny. I sympathized greatly when he was cheering for his grandkids, but when he did that for the Arizona Rattlers football team, well, I no. But, but the good and the bad that we do today, they have consequences. Uh, there, there are choices that we make and those choices have consequences. And sometimes we are aware of the consequences, sometimes we're not. Um, Paul gives us some stuff to think about a little bit as we think about life and some of the big decisions. Uh, in verse 22, the latter part of 22, he says uh, about the way we serve, not with eye service as men pleasers. So that means not just when people are watching. I remember one time 
uh, our two oldest kids were playing and it sounded like they were playing very nicely and I slipped up to the room and I was going to peek in the door and just enjoy this moment of watching these two kids play nicely and right as I opened the door they stopped playing nicely and suddenly they were attacking each other and I happened to be there right then and, and broke it up. Not just when people are watching. I, I know there's parents in this room who can tell they know something's up when their kids get really quiet and then they start looking and you find them and you catch them. The choices, so the Lord says, listen, be good when no one's watching. We used to have a friend who would ask our kids, he'd say, hey, Benjamin, do you get paid to be good? And Benjamin would say, no. And he said, oh, then you're good for nothing. <laughs> Benjamin would say, no. <laughs> Not just when people are watching, but look what else it says at the end of verse 22. In what? Singleness of heart, really focused concentration, fearing God. God despises half-hearted effort. He wants you to serve whether people are watching or not. In fact, in verse 23, he says, whatever you do, do it heartily with your whole heart, with your whole soul. Do it till you're breathless. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now, <coughs> How, how many people, we have more than 30 people serving in our Awana clubs, and I don't remember every night how many are here. A week ago, I missed because I was out sick. I was able to be back there this Thursday night and be able to be here for about half of the Grand Prix before I had to go home and sleep yesterday. But, but you know, lots of different people serving and ministering and working. And, and imagine the frustration that... Uh, say, Anamala would have, who uh, is leading our children's church, but she also leads our, our uh, Sparks Club, kindergarten, first, and second grade, if she had a worker in there who wasn't doing their work. So Ben Qualls is a helper in there, and Teresa Qualls does double duty. She helps in Sparks and helps in Trek, and uh, did the lesson in Trek last night after serving in Sparks. Ooh, double duty. Uh, but, but imagine that Ben and Teresa are sitting in Sparks, and instead of paying attention to the kids and trying to help these kids learn their Bible verse and understand their connection with God, instead, Ben and Teresa are talking about uh, what they're going to do when they get home. And the kids are like, can we say a verse? No, no, just, just wait, just wait. We're, you know. have, you, have you gone to a store, walked into a store, and the clerks are so busy talking to each other they don't see you? I've actually left stuff on the counter and walked out. I went up to the manager of a car dealership and told him I really wanted to buy a car here, but I couldn't get a salesperson to talk to me. And I left. And he said, well, we'll talk to you. No, I'll make sure. It's too late. Um, and, and God hates that kind of thing, just like you do. You would hate it if people did that to you. But do you do that to God? Do you give God half-hearted service? Do you read your Bible when you think of it? Do something for him when it's convenient? Or do you really serve with your whole heart? God despises half-hearted effort. And God rewards those who put their whole heart into the work. See, in verse 23, he talks about putting your whole heart into it. Giving it everything. And then verse 24, he said, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. God's going to reward those who serve with their whole heart. 
The good and the bad that you do today have consequences, and you're going to get reward for good, and you're going to have loss for bad. It doesn't make you get into heaven. You do not get into heaven by your good outweighing the bad, so you go up to heaven, the bad outweighs the good, you go down to hell. That's not how it works. You get to heaven by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. Once you have asked the Lord to forgive your sins, put your faith and trust in Him, then, because you're already on your way to heaven, the good you will receive some eternal reward, the bad you will receive some eternal loss. Paul describes it as, a, as the things being put to the fire. And the bad that we do gets burned up and the good that we do remains. And there's a reward for it. And then in verse 25, Paul said, God does not show favoritism. He that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done. There is no respect of persons. God's not going to show favoritism. Now, we had uh, in the Grand Prix, we have the, the cars were up on a table up here and and we had judges who looked at the cars and evaluated. And, and some people said they didn't want to be judges because they were afraid they would show favoritism to their kids or their grandkids. And so they didn't want to be a judge on the cars. And that's, that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. If they, if they are going to show favoritism, we didn't want them judging the cars and comparing. But we can only see the outside. God sees the heart. And the choices that we make, God's not going to show favoritism. He's not going to say, oh, you know, you've been a Christian for 50 years, so I'm going to let you get away with that one. No, he still has the same standard. Doesn't change. So have you seen our road sign? You've seen the logo that was up in earlier in the service. It had the same logo that's out on the sign out front. See, the good and the bad you do today have consequences for life. For life right now. We uh, watched a show, and it was a fictionalized account. Um, no, I guess it was the news. There was a, a couple up in Phoenix who one day decided they'd try meth and ended up getting killed by the, the meth dealer. Young couple, successful couple, decided they'd try it and they died. Uh, the choices you make have consequences for life. I had a friend in high school who was a football star and he got a four-year full-ride scholarship to play football at a good college here in the United States. And to celebrate his scholarship, he went out and had a party. And on the way home, he was driving his pickup truck, lost control, rolled his truck, and lost his left arm. Never played football again. He lived, but he had consequences for life. But as we see in the Word of God and in the Scripture, not only do we have consequences for life, but we also have them forever. You say, wait a minute, I thought Christ forgave me of all my sins. You're right. He does. But you can earn eternal reward or not. See, if you're living in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord, that, that pleases Him, there's eternal reward that you can earn that you won't get if you don't serve, if you don't live 
according to biblical principles. So there'll be some loss. We're all going to get to heaven, those who have received Jesus Christ. Everyone will be in heaven, but some will be more rewarded than others because they were more faithful than others. There's not going to be a caste system in heaven. There's not going to be first-class Christians, second-class Christians, third-class, and 42nd-class. Uh, there's just going to, we're all going to be there. We're all going to be rejoicing in the Lord. But those who have labored more abundantly will have a more joyful reunion with their Lord. In fact, the scripture writes about it in a way that you won't be embarrassed or ashamed when you stand before the Lord. There'll be joy because you've done what he wanted you to do. The good and the bad you do today have consequences for life forever. For life now and for life in eternity. Secondly, work is ministry. Work is ministry. See, in verse 22, we learn that your boss is not really your boss. Who's your boss? What does it say? Your real boss is, verse 23, as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So your boss is not really your boss. Uh, if you're on the job and you got a boss or you're serving in Awana and Tim and Clinton are the Awana commanders, they're not really the Awana commanders. They're just representing Jesus Christ, serving in that capacity. And you're supposed to serve in Awana, in your ministry, in Sunday school, in, in uh, your job. You're supposed to serve in a way that pleases the Lord. Not just your boss. Now, there used to be a Southwest uh, Airlines has had those commercials, you want to get away. And they used to have one when we lived in Dallas, and I flew Southwest fairly regularly uh, as a business, uh, in business travel. And the, this, there's these people, this girls dribbling a basketball, and a guy swinging a hula hoop around on his neck, and somebody else is doing something, and the boss is gone. So they're just playing and playing and playing, and suddenly the boss walks in the door, and they're like, <gasps> We didn't expect you back till this afternoon. <laughs> Southwest Airlines. You know? Well, there are people who play when the boss is away. There are kids who think, as long as mom and dad don't see it, it's okay to disobey. But the scripture says, you're supposed to serve the Lord on the job, in the home. Even on your homework, if you're in school, the job you do on your homework, kids, is important to God. This picture is a picture of Donnie Smith and his wife. How many of you know who Donnie Smith is? I didn't either. That's okay. But in 2009, he became the CEO of Tyson Foods. He just retired from that December the 31st, 2016. So I don't know what he's doing this year, but until December 31st last year, he was the CEO or chief executive officer of Tyson Foods. Tyson Foods is one of the Fortune 500 companies. Now, to be honest with you, I can't remember whether it was Donnie Smith or somebody else, but one of the Fortune 500 guys, they had a meeting of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They didn't have all 500 because it didn't work out for all of them to be there. But they had like 450 of them there, and they were going around the room, and they were introducing each other, and either Donnie or somebody else like Donnie, so I'm going to just use him for the illustration today. Uh, Donnie stood up and said, my name is Donnie Smith. 
I am a full-time representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to feed my family, I also run this multi-billion dollar business. This is the first Sunday of March, 2017. You know what Donnie was doing on the first Sunday of March, 2016? You know what he did almost every Sunday in 2016? He taught a Sunday school class in his Baptist church. Why? Because serving Christ is vital. Now, he became the CEO of Tyson Foods and things were, they had a, a, a rough year, the first year he was there. And then things turned around and started really growing and apparently he did a good job. Uh, but they interviewed him, and uh, the Wall Street Journal interviewed him. And Smith said he carries his faith with him in everything he does, including his business life. Here's a direct quote from him. I don't think you can say, I do my church stuff on Sunday, and the rest of the time I'm either out for myself or running my business. He told the Wall Street Journal, my faith influences how I think, what I do, what I say. And then he said, there's a lot of great biblical principles that are fundamental to operating a good business. Being fair and telling the truth are biblical principles. I know when I was a business manager and I taught management training to our younger uh, lower level managers and, and helped prepare them for leadership and that, I, I would teach stuff right out of the word of God. They'd say, where'd you get this stuff? It's in the Bible. And they thought, I thought the Bible was a religious book. I said, the Bible points the way to Jesus Christ, but it also gives all kinds of great information on how to live. So I want you to just stop and think about, on the job or in schoolwork or as a parent, what's a principle from the Bible that helps you in your life? Okay? Can you share one? Not to be weary in well-doing. Just keep plugging away. That's, um, the, 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 it, he opened up India, the missionary. Um, began, what? Carey? I think it was William Carey. William Carey I, I, was greatly used by God in Asian area. And, and he said his great strength was he was a plotter, and he would just keep plotting. And he said, after 40, 50 years of plotting, that great things were accomplished. Don't give up. What's another principle that you learn from the scripture? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Is that always easy? No, it's not even easy to love your neighbor in the same room all the time. But you do it, because that's the biblical thing to do. What's another one? Yeah, when you're serving, you do it for God. So good enough may not be good enough. And if you're serving for God, you want to do well. Somebody else had one. I thought, man. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Don't be a fuss budget. How many of you know a fuss budget? How many of you are sitting next to him? How many of you are sitting in the same chair as a fuss budget? Uh, we, we struggle with it sometimes. Don't do it. Work is ministry. Verse 22, the King James says servants. It's actually bond slave. Um, 
It's a person without rights or property. Now, when we think of slavery, we think of slavery in the last like 150, 200 years where slavery is kidnapping somebody, hauling them off probably to a foreign country, selling them to somebody else. And by the way, that's still going on today. Slavery worldwide is more of a problem today than it was 150 years ago. People get kidnapped, they get hauled off. And that's the way we think of slavery. But the bond slave in the New Testament, according to Roman historians, it was a little bit different function. Um, they said that throughout the Roman Empire, people would voluntarily sell themselves into slavery. Sell themselves into a bond slave. Because they didn't have money or breeding or backing. And so they would connect with somebody who had money or breeding or could back them. And they would sell themselves to be a servant that way. They would give up their rights to secure a better life under the authority and under the provision of another. It wasn't like being kidnapped and hauled off to another country like the slave traders in America did to tribal people from Africa. Horrible, evil things they did. It's not quite like that. Um, they chose to be a bond slave because their masters were wealthy and would provide a better life for them. And, and likewise, when you're under the authority of Christ, you are to serve with your whole heart honoring him. So somebody said uh, the, the best way for us to understand a bond slave in our culture would be if there were somebody wealthy who had servants working for them. The servants would do what their master wanted them to do and would have only the rights given to them by the master. So they might go to the grocery store and buy the food, but they would only do what their master or leader we wouldn't call it owner in our culture, but what the boss wanted. And that's the better analogy to a bond slave in the Roman government than it was to slavery in America or in, in uh, England. But you work hard, the goal here is in ministry, you work hard because you're under the authority of Christ and you labor even if no one notices but the Lord, you still give it your whole heart. Verse 23, heartily as to the Lord. You're trying to please him. Not men, not, not with eye service, verse 22, that not just when people are watching, you're doing it for the Lord who is always watching. And you're serving him. Uh, when you have the opportunity, if you ever have an opportunity to serve in a church, then the, the salary that I receive is actually paid for by the tithes of people. That's actually historically uh, what was done in the Old Testament. The offerings of the people provided for the priests and, and for those who assisted the Hebrew priests. In the New Testament, we're all believer priests, so we don't have a priesthood in, in the church. Uh, but the offerings of the people provide for the pastor and staff of the church. And that's a biblical pattern from the Old and the New Testament. So when I get a paycheck, I have to remember, this is holy money. Th this is money people gave to the Lord. I can't just blow it off and do what I want. I, this is holy, and I have to treat it that way. And so he said, that's how we should be on all of our jobs. 
treat it as holy, as an honorable thing. Work is ministry. Thirdly, paying workers is ministry. This is a picture <coughs> from one of the mission trips I took to Cuba. I haven't been there in six years, but I went for, I don't know, 12 trips over a 14-year period. And, uh, or 13 years, I, I went 11 or 12 times. Kathy made a couple of trips with me. Uh, this is uh, outside a bank in Cuba on payday. The workers wouldn't actually get money. They would get slips of paper that would allow them to go down to the bank and draw out money, like a check. Uh, and they would take it down to the bank and draw out the money. And they're all standing in line because the bank was going to open. And now you see, you don't see the beginning of that line. You don't see the end of that line. What you see is about half of the line. I cropped it to fit the size of our screen. Uh, but it's a long line of people just waiting for their payday. Without getting that money from the bank, they couldn't buy food, they couldn't pay bills, and they didn't get much money either. The average worker there, even today, earns less than $30 a month. And musical instrument costs the same there as they do here. So most of the churches can't even afford a piano. They just sing a cappella, or if somebody happens to have a CD with music. They'll play and sing along to the CD like we did with the National Anthem yesterday. I, and we've never done the National Anthem in karaoke before, but we did it yesterday. Um, and, and, and that's what they do in their churches. But paying workers is ministry. Verse number one of chapter four, masters. Uh, in our culture, we would say managers, supervisors, those who are evaluating the work of others, give to your servants, those employees, those who work under you, that which is just and equal, or that which is fair, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Uh, see, if you're the boss, you're not really the boss. When I was a business executive for a while, um, there was only one person who had more authority than me in the United States in our company, and that was the owner. It was a privately held company. And so I would travel around the United States to our different plants and do things, and I was in charge of the United States, Australia, and Asia, and somebody else was in charge of uh, Europe and Africa. And uh, I, I would travel, and I would teach and I would instruct and I'd hold people accountable, but I knew every decision I made, I, I had to answer to the owner for it. And as a believer, that's exactly what we have to do. We answer to our Lord. And when you're in charge, there was actually a time when I had two people working for me who made more money than I did. And the owner of the company was talking to me about that. He said, I don't understand how they, they work for you, but they make more money than you do. And he said, what's going on there? I said, well, I set their salaries, and I'm paying them just and fair. You set mine. They're not overpaid. I'm underpaid. But you set my salary. And, and uh, honestly, I would not do their salary for the amount of money I paid them. I wouldn't do their job. I hated those jobs. 
One was an assembly guy in, in uh, the Northwest, and he ran a massive production of shell. I, I couldn't stand that job. The other was a, the controller overseeing the money, and, and I'm just not that detail of a guy. I want to know the details, but I want somebody else to do the work. Uh, it's a blessing. <laughs> uh, but but uh, the, uh, the owner, he set my salary. And by the way, in case you're interested, he didn't give me a pay raise. He just thought it was interesting that I paid people more than I made. But paying workers is ministry. It's the appropriate thing to do. You pay them fairly. You know, there have been all kinds of conversations over the years about, you know, who makes more? Should a white guy make more than a guy with darker skin? Should a man make more than a woman? The Bible says it very clearly. Equal pay for equal work. Treat them fairly. Fairly. Don't pay more because Bubba's your buddy. Pay for the job to be done. Regardless of uh, the person. Pay for what they're doing. If you shortchange a worker, you're cheating them. Who else are you cheating? God. You're cheating God when you shortchange a worker. Uh, now, many of you are retired. You say, well, I'm, I'm not a boss. You know, I, I'm not working under somebody. I'm, I'm not a boss. So how would this apply to me? Well, chances are you're going to hire somebody to do some work for you. They're going to repair your car. They're going to help with your plumbing. They're going to work on your electrical. They may do your yard service. You're going to pay somebody to do the things that you don't do or can't do or choose not to do. So how are you going to pay them? Well, treat them fairly, honorably. Kathy and I want, no, <coughs> sorry, it was before we got married. I went out to dinner with some friends and we were out in a restaurant and it got time, they wanted to treat me to dinner. And so they were treating me to dinner. I was a single Marine and they had stopped in and were staying near where I was and took me out to dinner. And it was, it was nice, we had a nice dinner and everything. Then it was time to leave the tip and they bantered, the husband and wife bantered back and forth about the problems of the white person and what they did or didn't do and so they didn't deserve a tip and so they just didn't leave one. And we walked back to the door and I said, I left something on the table, which I had on purpose. And I ran back to the table to get it and I left a tip. Um, paying workers is ministry. That includes whether you're tipping it. If you go out to lunch today, leave a generous tip. Leave a card from our church. They, we have them on the table in the back, invites people to the church and leave a generous tip. I used to joke that if you were going to leave a cheap tip, leave a track from another church, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that anymore because my wife didn't think that was funny, <laughs> so I won't say it. Uh, but, but give a generous tip. Why? Because this is the way you honor Christ. And if you're hiring somebody to do work at your house, then pay them generously. Think about your accountability to God in your, inaction, in your interaction with other people. Oh, trying to pay cash to save a few bucks? That's wrong. You, 
you honor God. I've had Christian businessmen here in town tell me I could save a little money on car repair, save a little money on roof repair if I just pay them cash. And I said, what difference does it make whether I pay cash or card or check? Well, I don't have to report it to the government. What? No, you're supposed to report it to the government. So I'll pay by credit card, then you have to. Saving money by doing something wrong, how is that going to honor the Lord? It's not. The Lord said, pay what's just and equal. And by the way, he's also the one who said, the government has a right to charge taxes in Romans 13. And we have to pay our taxes. Now, I tell you the truth, I don't pay extra. I take every deduction I can possibly take. I do not want to pay one penny more than I have to. But if you're cheating to save money on your taxes, you have accountability to God for that sin. And you're affecting your eternal reward. Now, fourth thing. This one's short. Don't panic. I'm not going in for another hour. Although I could, Benjamin and I were just somewhere and a preacher said, his average sermon length is an hour and 20 minutes. And Benjamin and I looked at each other and thought, well, not in our church. <laughs> That'd be a long, long, you'd be here for two hours by the time we were all done. But, but listen, ministry is rewarding. Ministry is rewarded. Now, the screen doesn't say rewarding. It's not like ministry is great. You come here to Awana on Thursday night and it's wonderful. And when it's all done, you go home and like, oh, it was so great to be here. I feel so blessed. Most of the time, most of our workers are on like this, heading out to their car. What? We're worn out. We've just worked like crazy for two hours and been worn out, especially in the the sparks, when they got like 150 little kids in there, seems like it. They move so fast. And, and, and you're done, and, and you're done. Most of the time on Thursday nights, I have to go home and rest in my recliner before I can even eat. So it's not always rewarding. You can labor, 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 and never see fruit for your labor for years and years and years. But it is rewarded. God rewards those who serve. Look at verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the inheritance, the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. There is a reward. There is an inheritance. And you will receive it because you serve the Lord. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, Ye also have a master in heaven. You serve the Lord. <coughs> Hebrews 9, 6 says that God will not forget his labor of love. I'm sorry, your work and love that you show to others in his name. God will not forget what you do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 reminds us that uh, our labors are never in vain or empty or worthless in the Lord. Uh, it may feel like we're not making a difference, but God is recognizing and will reward our efforts. And when we get to heaven, the reward that we get will not be based on results. God's not going to say, hey, 
Jeff, you were a faithful witness for Christ, and 152,000 people trusted Christ because of your reward. Woo, here's a great big reward. And then he'll turn to somebody else and say, Jim, you were faithful to Christ, but only 17 people got saved in your ministry, so you get this little award. That's not how it works. We sow, we water. Who gives the increase? God does. So we get rewarded for our faithfulness, our labor. Now, in the Grand Prix, uh, kids got awards for design. Coolest design, I think one of the design winners was a taco. It was a pretty cool looking taco. It almost looked like you put a little salsa and eat it. It wasn't really a taco, but it looked like it. And, and I think that won a design award. And then in the speed race, a shopping cart beat some of the race cars. That was pretty funny, too. Uh, but they only got rewards based on their, uh, the, uh, sorry, the final product, how good it looked or how well it ran. But our rewards with the Lord are not based on our effectiveness. They're based on our faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. If you put your whole heart into it and you minister and it doesn't seem to make much difference and you die and go before the Lord and somebody else does a half-hearted job but has all kinds of apparent fruit for their labor, when you stand before God, the one who gets rewarded the most is the one who put his heart into it, not the one who did it half-hearted. God rewards on the basis of what sort our labors are. The, the kind of labor, the, the heart that we put into it. But ministry is rewarded. Someday we will get the fruit for our labor. What we do today makes a difference on that day. Because today is eternity. We can't see it all yet, but it's just as real right now as it will always be. Today is eternity. Now, we well not started. I guess earlier in the service, Megan and Courtney and Kathy sang a song. And uh, I asked Benjamin to lead that song this morning. Uh, what is the song? By faith? By faith. He's going to come and he's going to lead that, and we're going to try and sing it together. Now, if you don't know it, well, try. Uh, try and follow along. Try and see and do your best. Sing loud on the chorus because you, you maybe know that because we did that several times. And so we're going to let you sit for a couple of verses, and then we'll stand before the last verse. And as we sing the song, remind yourself, it's by faith. That's, that's what life and eternity are all about by faith following God. And so after we have sung this song, I'm going to ask Jim Ricosi if he would come up and dismiss us in prayer. So have us sing, stand for the last verse, not for the others. So.